that's good. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, across the fruited plain of Chesterfield County, Virginia. This is Tom Garrett filling in for Scott and Richard Lee on AM 820 and FM 92.7 WNTW. And I got to get it right the first time because I don't know if I'll be invited back. Today's first hour, we're going to start off with something that I kind of contemplate from time to time and discuss with people who are willing to actually discuss things with me. And that is what is a hero. What is a hero? Now, I will tell you that there aren't that many people who want to talk to me, but you have the safety of a telephone. You don't have to be in the same room, and you do not have to be next to me. You don't have to smell that I had garlic or onions for lunch today. You can just call in. And if something happens that you don't like, your safe space is the little red button on your cell phone that causes it to hang up. You will be okay. So we're going to talk today about what is a hero in the first hour. In the second hour, we're going to have my good friend, a hero in his own right, and former Navy SEAL, Virginia State Delegate John McGuire on. And in the third hour, boy, am I excited. One of the 11 good people remaining uh, who spends time in Washington, D.C. There used to be 12, but I left. Senator Jim DeMint, who is formerly of the Heritage Foundation, is now doing a different thing. And we're going to talk to him about that today. So big show, but we're going to start off with that topic that I just brought up. What is a hero? Now, I have written something down in front of me in my extensive show prep, which is about a half a day. Yeah, thank you. And I'll tell you that um, the definition that I've written down for what is a hero uh, is someone who does something good that you aren't sure you would if the circumstances were the same. And these are people who cause me to have pause, people who do things that other folks might not do that I might not do if the circumstances were the same. And I think we should all have heroes. I think we can judge a society based on who it selects to be its heroes. And so I want to start off talking about one of my heroes because I studied history and really admire this person. Because I think she's a great example of someone who does something that most of us wouldn't do. Barbara Rose Johns, later married a gentleman and became Barbara Rose Johns Powell, is a Virginian. And if you've heard of Barbara Rose Johns, give yourself a round of applause at home. Because most people haven't, and that's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that we haven't taught that in our history classes. It's a tragedy that young people don't understand exactly who Barbara Rose Johns was. Because she's the type of person we should emulate. What did Barbara Rose Johns do? In 1951, on April 23rd, this young African-American girl living in Prince Edward County, Virginia, strode atop of stage at the Moton High School, that was the segregated black high school in Prince Edward County, and suggested to her peers an idea that was articulated by a white slave owner some hundreds of years prior when he said that we are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights, and among these are that all people are created equal. Right? So that you can understand that sometimes imperfect people, Thomas Jefferson, can have near-perfect ideas, that all people are given inherent rights, not from government, but from God, and that they're all created equal and entitled to equal opportunity, although they'll never be equal outcome. And that it's up to people to assert those rights. And so a 16-year-old girl named Barbara Rose Johns took the stage at Moton High School and let a student walk out 
that really was the beginning of the civil rights movement in Virginia. The fact that one political party has co-opted this sort of debate or idea is tragic because this isn't black history. This isn't white history. This is American history. It's not Democrat history. It's not Republican history. It's American history. And it's history that we should know. Now, think about when you were 15 or 16 years old. I didn't have the courage to walk across the cafeteria without trying to look cool. I certainly wasn't going to stand up in front of my peers and argue some existential argument about freedom and rights and equality. But this young woman did it, and we've forgotten her. Now, April 23rd for the last few years has been Barbara John's Day in Virginia because back when I was silly enough to serve in the Virginia Senate, we decided we were going to make that a state holiday, not a working holiday because I'm a conservative, but a holiday so that somebody might Google search Barbara John's and figure out who she was. Because a hero is someone who does something that we might not do under the same circumstances. And I suggest that Barbara Rose Johns is an American hero. Her courage to stand up and do what was right, to assert her rights, led to a shutdown of all the schools in Prince Edward County. It led to the establishment of Prince Edward Academy, the tuition academy, the tuition to go to which was be white or be able to pay. But if you couldn't pay and you were white, they let you go. And it led to a circumstance of great suffering in the near term for a lot of people in the community that she lived in. In fact, Barbara John's family had to move two states away. But it led to positive change because she had the courage to be a hero and do that which others wouldn't. Once again, Ibrahim is taking calls. If any of you have someone who you believe is a hero, you're welcome to call in and tell us who that is and why. If not, you'll have to listen to me longer or change the station, which you shouldn't do because, candidly, AMA 20 FM 92.7 WNTW is the best thing on the radio right now. You could go around and look, but you'd only waste your time not listening to this beautiful broadcast. Who are other heroes? Pastor Hassan Abdur Rahim who I've had the honor of getting to know. I learned about Pastor Hassan from a friend of a friend who had just been released from prison in the Republic of the Sudan. Petr Yashik was working as the Africa rep to the Voice of Martyrs, a charity activity that stands up for people who stand up for their own convictions and beliefs, their faith, etc., when he was in prison, ostensibly for aiding rebels and acting against the government. Now, what had Pastor Yashik done? Well, he gave food to people who were starving. He gave medicine to people who were ill. And he had the temerity to cavort with people who were Christians in a nation that is still on the state sponsors of terror list. So Pastor Yashik found himself in a Sudanese prison for a number of months, but ultimately was released by virtue of the actions of a couple of dozen members of Congress, the government of the United States, the executive branch, and the actions of the government of the Czech Republic. And that might be the end of the story, except when I had the opportunity to speak to Pastor Yashik, he confided in me that he was concerned about his colleagues. And we're coming up on a break. This is not something I do often, so I'm looking for some sort of signal. I asked him who his colleagues were, and that's when he informed me that Pastor Hassan Abdur Rahim uh, was sitting in prison along with a seminarian with whom he worked, uh, Abdul Manam, uh, for the same crimes that Pastor Yashik had been charged with. And it would have been easier for them had they simply renounced their faith. They were jailed in Khartoum 
for about five months at the worst of the worst maximum security prisons. In fact, a prison wherein people who affiliated themselves with ISIS were imprisoned. And the fact that they were Christians and pastors who sought to spread their faith did not endear them to those with whom they were kept. And so simply renouncing their faith would have made life easier. Did they do it? Would you have done it? Would I have done it? They did not. And so with that, we're going to hit our first break. And again, I invite you to call in 804-454-1366, 804-454-1366. What is a hero? We'll be back. Kind, compassionate, and tolerant. Oh, wait, that's a different show. The Lee Brothers. WNTWAMA20FM92.7. My producer queuing up some awesome bumper music, local band. In fact, you know what? We're going to start perhaps the first and only ever segment of this show since they probably won't invite me back. We're going to call this Giving You Your Tax Money Back 55 Cents at a Time. If anyone can call in and tell me what local band that was, I will personally mail you a Paul J. Ryan Speaker of the House Challenge coin that you paid for when you paid your taxes anyway. So if any, and we'll play that bumper music again, but if anyone can call up and tell me the name of the local band who gave us that awesome bumper music is, I will personally mail you a Speaker of the House Paul J. Ryan Challenge coin that you already paid for Anyhow, back to our subject matter, what is a hero? When we last spoke prior to break, we were discussing the case of Pastor Hassan Abdurrahim, who spent the better part of two years languishing in a Sudanese prison, uh, charged with things like aiding rebels and activities submersive to the government. Pastor Hassan had the temerity to work along with the Czech national named Pastor Petr Yashik, and a colleague, Abdul Manamum, who were Christians in a nation that lives under Sharia law. And so doing things quite literally like giving food to their starving neighbors or helping people who had been wounded during government aggression against its citizenry was considered aiding rebels. And it would have been a lot easier for Pastor Hassan and Abdul Manam if they were simply to renounce their Christian faith. If you can imagine being in prison with ISIS in a country where they're designated as state sponsors of terror, where Darfur arose, where the Janjaweed literally got on horseback with AK-47s and went hunting for apostates and Christians to kill, where a South Sudanese civil war saw unchecked aggression against unarmed civilian populations— these men were imprisoned ostensibly for their faith with people who were too radical for the regime that had perpetrated all of the things I just discussed. And at no point did Pastor Hassan renounce his faith. At no point did he stop openly professing to believe that the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for him so that he might have eternal life. You are not listening to a faith radio station, but you are listening to someone who's broadcasting who has some, so you're just going to have to bear with me. But that man, my friends, is a hero. 
I've often wondered what I would do if I were faced with the challenges that faced Pastor Hassan, that faced Abdul Manam. Would I renounce my faith? Would I shut up? Would I give up? Or would I stand up? And those men stood up. So, 804-454-1366, those are two of my heroes. I'd like to hear who your heroes are and why. Again, my definition is a hero is someone who does things that you aren't sure if you'd do under the same circumstances, but you can use your own definition. You know, maybe it's that mom that works two jobs overnight so that she can raise a child after having lost a father who died serving in, in, in uniform. Uh, Maybe it's that teacher who works extra hours without pay to ensure that a young person who might not have been born with the same opportunities as another gets a chance to show the potential that God gave them. What is a hero and who is yours? Now, if you want to call in, it's 804-454-1366. But let's talk for a moment about what isn't a hero. How many of you have been following the news out of Richmond Sunday night regarding Tommy the dog? Tommy the dog. We were talking about what is a hero. I will tell you that Tommy the dog was not a hero. He was a dog. But the person who killed Tommy the dog is not a hero. Now, let's get back around to that in a second. If you haven't been following the story of Tommy the dog, Tommy was chained to a fence in Abner Clay Park in our lovely city of Richmond, Virginia, and had accelerant poured on him and then was set on fire. And there were witnesses to Tommy on fire. In fact, as I understand it, professional firefighters responded. He was taken to a shelter with Burns over 40-plus percent of his body. Earlier today, despite the best efforts of veterinary medicine, Tommy succumbed to his injuries and died. What isn't a hero is the person who would do that to an animal. Now, I think we have a problem in our society because I think we often elevate animals to a status equal to or greater than that of humans, and I try not to do that, understanding what I read in the book of Genesis. However, comma, This is important to talk about because if we don't find the person who poured accelerant on a dog that was chained to a fence in Abner Clay Park in Richmond, Virginia, then what we'll know is that that person is on the streets among us. And I would offer this. Anyone who would do that to an animal will do something horrific to a human. And if they can't be caught, I won't sleep as well at night. So... Inviting your phone calls, 804-454-1366, AMA 20 FM 92.7 WNTW. What is a hero? What isn't a hero? If anybody can name the band who brought us in on the bumper music on the last segment, I will send you a Paul J. Ryan Speaker of the House challenge coin, and we might follow with that bumper music again, and we'll be back after this. version of the Federalist Papers without all that reading. It's the Lee Brothers. Welcome back 
Back, it's Tom Garrett in for the Lee Brothers on AMA 20 FM 92.7 WNTW this afternoon discussing what is a hero and who's yours. And I think we have a caller. I don't know if he wants to name the band or if he wants to talk. Joe from Goochland. Hey, Tom. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Uh, first and foremost, uh, anyone who runs in where everyone is running out is a hero. That uh, And that covers a lot of ground. But uh, anyone who runs in when most other people run out, that's a hero to me. Uh, is Does that answer the question fairly? Uh, well, I'm, I'm wondering if that would include, like, Republicans who ran for Congress during a year that 55 or so retired. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Without <laughs> question, uh, uh, present company, you know, excluded, of course. Uh, oh, uh, oh no, I was, I, I, you couldn't, I, I was hoping for a tailwind so I could run faster, right? Yeah. Um, and, and does it also include radio show hosts who are conservative in towns that are uh, decidedly not like Doc Thompson? Right. Uh, I don't know if people are aware why we have the B team in today for Scott and Richard, but Doc Thompson, who served for a while on another radio station in Richmond, whose call letters I forget because right now we're on WNTW, uh, passed away tragically. And Scott and Richard, friends of his, um, are attending the services. I think he was a really, really fine man. I, I didn't know him well, but I knew a number of people who did. And candidly, radio show hosts who stick by their message and values in, in wonderful bastions of academia like, I don't know, Charlottesville, Virginia. <laughs> I've been I've been outed. Is it the blue dye on my hands? Uh, but uh, Doc, uh, Doc was one of those guys where uh, when he and I were near each other, just tried to get louder than each other. Um, and uh, and it was always fun because it was never bad spirited. It was just like, who could who could speak louder? Love you, Joe. Thanks for calling in, and we'll be back. Freedom isn't passed through the bloodstream. It's fought for daily. Fight alongside the Lee brothers. And all the science I don't understand. Just my job five days a week. Rocket Man. Rocket Man. And that is Iron Horse with Rocket Man. And I'm Tom Garrett in for the Lee Brothers on AM 820 and FM 92.7 WN. T.W. This first hour, our subject matter has been what is a hero and who's yours? Joe from Goochland called in before the break and said a hero is someone who runs in when everyone else is running out. We also talked about Tommy the dog who succumbed earlier today to injuries sustained when a anti-hero, a dirt ball, Port accelerant on this dog that was chained to a fence outside of Abner Clay Park here in our lovely city, Richmond, Virginia, and lit that dog on fire. Now, you know, I don't, like I said, this is the third time. They will probably not invite me back. If we could find the person who did that to that, that, that dog on the show today, boy, would it have been worthwhile. And the reason is not that we elevate animals to a higher status as it relates to the sanctity of life than humans, but because 
Animals are living things. They have value. And anyone who will do that to a dog should not be walking free among us. That is a depraved individual. Back around to the heroes, though. We talked about Barbara Rose Johns, who was a teenage girl, after having listened to her uncle Vernon Johns discuss founding principles, ideas that are the core and bedrock of who we are as a nation that were articulated by slave-owning white guys, which made them no less true. Things like all people are endowed by their creator, not given by government, with certain inalienable rights— And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The fundamental idea that everyone's entitled to one thing, and that is an opportunity. Barbara Rose Johnson, as a teenage girl, strode atop a stage at a dilapidated, segregated high school and demanded equality, leading a student walkout that really was the trigger of the civil rights movement in Virginia. She's a hero of mine. Who are your heroes? 804-454-1366. We talked about Pastor Hassan Abdur-Rahim, who spent the better part of two years in a prison in Sudan. He was actually sentenced to 12 years uh, until uh, an individual who may or may not be a radio host today intervened on his behalf and traveled to Khartoum when told he was not allowed to go and extracted Pastor Hassan Abdul-Manam and seven family members. But the hero here is not Yours truly, the hero, is Pastor Hassan, who, when surrounded by the worst of the worst in the toughest prison in one of the toughest countries on the face of the planet, would not renounce or waver in his faith. And he was in prison for the heinous crime of giving food and medical assistance to his starving and injured neighbors. That man is a hero. So what is a hero and who is yours? 804 454 1366 is the number. And again, Joe from Goochland says a hero is someone who runs in while everyone else is running out. But we're taking calls on that. And if you'd like to talk about Tommy the dog and what sort of human being can do that to an animal, the lines are open there, too. Or if you can identify the local band that played the amazing bumper music that we heard twice in the last half hour. I will give you, here it is again. If if nobody calls in, we're just going to play this band for the rest of the day because they're kind of awesome. Um, I will give you personally some of your tax dollars back in the form of a Paul J. Ryan Speaker of the House Challenge coin, which I will mail to the address of your choosing. So, who isn't a hero? Whomever did that to Tommy the dog, who are heroes, people who do things that we might not do. In the break, we heard news of the violence in Nigeria. And that is an easy segue into the next question, and that is, what is more dangerous, ignorance or evil? Ignorance or evil? This is a running debate that I have, again, with people who are willing to actually speak to me. Now, you have this safety the filter of a telephone, right? If you call in, you get to speak to me, but you can always return to your safe space by simply hanging up, or you can appreciate the fact that you will not know whether or not I had garlic or onions for lunch by virtue of the modern technology that is the telephone. 804-454-1366. What is more dangerous, ignorance or evil? And I say that because in the break, we talked about the farmer herder violence in Nigeria. There is an incredible level of violence in Nigeria that we never hear about on the news. And because we do not hear about it on the news, 
the American people are loath to do anything about it. Tragically, it's not our fault, though we might take steps to educate ourselves. The sedentary uh, population of the United States gets what's brought to it and oftentimes doesn't have the opportunity to go out and get it. So you can come here to WNTW and get it from us. The farming population in Nigeria primarily is stationary, obviously, as it relates to the nature of farming. The herding population is transient and moves about the land. These two populations also tend to split along faith lines. The farmer population is largely Christian, and the herder population is largely Muslim. And there's been sectarian violence in that country for a number of years. Slowly, as we see radicalism creep south across Africa, it's made its way into Nigeria. And now we have the news story that we heard at the half hour of dozens and dozens dead, including a ridiculous number of children in this farmer herder violence. But this is not the only spot in the world where sectarian violence is taking lives. Over last Thanksgiving, I had the opportunity on my own time and on my own money to travel to Iraq and Syria. And I did that to meet with a number of people. I met with the prime minister of Iraqi Kurdistan, the interior minister. I met with the co-presidents of the Syrian Democrat Council in north and eastern Syria. These are all Kurds, but they are not exclusively Kurdish areas. The Syrian Democrat Council, for example, is the only place for about a thousand miles in any direction until you get to Israel, where you have popularly elected governments where people are represented not just by men but by women and not just by Arabs but by Kurds and by Christian Assyrians and Chaldeans as well as by Arabs dependent upon whom the majority of voters choose. These are the people that the United States ultimately became aligned with after the Obama experiment in arming the Free Syrian Army, Jabhat al-Nusra, and Jabhat al-Fatah al-Sham failed, but only after we'd spent the better part of a billion dollars arming people who were affiliated with al-Qaeda. I did not make that up. And so finally we settled with the multi-ethnic, multi-religious, Kurdish-led northeastern Syrian government, and then we smoked ISIS. But in the interim, terrible things happened. Just like with that farmer herder sectarian violence in Nigeria, religious minorities suffered. And if I told you that in 2004, the population of Christians in Iraq and Syria was somewhere between 3 and 4 million would you believe that the last time we tried to count, it was somewhere around 400,000? So in the world we live in today, genocide, ethnic cleansing at best, genocide at worst, goes on, and we don't hear about it on the nightly news. But I'm in the fight, folks, and we're going to tell that story. That is, best case scenario, 2.6 million Christians displaced. I would tell you that not all were displaced. Many were raped, many were murdered, many were forced out. And as they try to filter back in following the defeat of ISIS, their homes have been sold out from under them, and individuals have been brought in to occupy those homes to create demographic shifts and really manifestly ethnically cleanse, and we hear nothing about it. And the tragedy is not that we have a duty to do anything. I would hope that we would feel compelled to do that which was right, but that these people have suffered because of us. And let me explain that. Now, we think of Christianity as something that we're familiar with by virtue of where we grew up in most instances. But it really didn't come from here, did it, right? There's a town called Al-Kosh in northern Iraq, which is still largely a Christian town. In fact, it's one of the largest Christian towns that was not overrun by ISIS, although ISIS literally came with an eyeshot of it. 
there a brave Catholic priest and 16 other men stood on metaphorical ramparts with AK-47s and whatever they could scrounge to protect their neighbors. But in Alkosh, there's a prophet, Nahum, from the Old Testament, a Jewish prophet buried. He's been there, oh, I don't know, 2,600 years. And so we think of Christianity as something familiar to the West. It's not from the West. It's from the East. And so, too, do people in the Middle East who think of those Christians who live among them as sympathetic to the West. And so you have a minority population who is lumped in with Americans and Europeans without cause because culturally they're closer to Middle Eastern than they are to the Eastern Shore. And they've been tormented and suffered for that. And so it's important to know that, again, the Christian population of Iraq and Syria circa 2004, ballpark three to four million. Last time we tried to count, somewhere around 400,000. What are we doing? What are we doing to make it safe for people to live in their own homes without fear? No human should go to sleep at night afraid for whether they will wake up in their own home the next day. And we'll be back. This is Tom Garrett filling in for the Lee Brothers on AM820 WNTW and FM92.7. Zero diversity, complete intolerance, and a total lack of fairness. It's the Lee Brothers. On AMA 20, FM 92.7, WNTW. And we were talking about the genocide and ethnic cleansing that Christiane Amanpour has not decided to talk about. It's funny, I spent the better part of a year living in a tent outside of a town called Dania Caparde, about 45 miles south and east of a place called Tuzla in Bosnia, because a horrific actions by a Serbian nationalist militia, wherein at Srebrenica, nearly 10,000 people were killed. And it was horrible. And I was glad to be there, protecting that Muslim minority from the Serb radicals who sought to drive them out of their ancestral homes. But it pales in comparison to 26 plus or minus million Christians raped, murdered, and displaced in the Middle East, just in Syria and Iraq, and just over the last 14, 15 years. And it goes on all around the world, and I know someone out there has got their PC britches in a wad because I'm talking about how these crimes have been visited upon Christians, but I am an equal opportunity truth teller, so let's talk about the longest ongoing civil war on the face of the planet which is in what I like to call Burma, because I'm old. But all you new, trendy, cutting-edge people probably call Myanmar. The civil war in Myanmar began after the British colonial forces in Myanmar put down an attack by the Burmese ethnic people, and then upon an invasion and subsequent uh, occupation by Imperial Japan, the Burmese people sided with the Japanese 
And the local minority populations, the Rohingya, the Chen, the Kachen, the Karin, and there are many more, sided with the Americans and the British under the understanding that they would have some degree of autonomy or at least the ability to participate democratically in free and fair elections following World War II. Now, as we often do, the war ended and we forgot. And so around 1947, the Burmese ethnic people began to persecute and prosecute an offensive against minorities in their own countries to subjugate them under the Burmese themselves who felt they were ethnically superior. So as a result, the Karen, the Kachen, the Chin, the Rohingya, and many other tribes, Christians, Muslims, uh, local native religions were oppressed by the Buddhist, right? You've heard about how peaceful Buddhism is. Burmese government. That civil war has been going on now for 70 plus years. In fact, it goes on now in the form of over a million Rohingya Muslims who have been displaced and murdered in and around and outside of Myanmar, Burma. Well, what of it, you say? Well, these are people just like you and me. And the difference between you and me and them is a mathematical happenstance. Right? The odds of being born in this greatest nation on the face of the planet, the United States of America, roughly 1 in 26. The odds of being born in communist China, about 1 in 5. India, 1 in 5. Now 1 in 2.5. You're either Chinese or Indian. And in Myanmar, where a million Rohingya have been displaced and murdered, there's a gentleman, a monk, and I say gentleman very loosely. It's a radio term of art, named Rathu who prides himself on the moniker the Buddhist bin Laden. The Buddhist bin Laden. And they continue to push a 70-year civil war, the displacement of millions, the latest victims en masse, the Rohingya, before them the Karen, the Chin, the Kachin. And who suffers? Well, the people suffer. Let me tell you a story. A woman, her husband, and three children in Myanmar, Burmese government soldiers come into the village. They come upon this family. They grab the infant from the mother's arms. They throw it on a fire. The two children, the husband and the wife, watch. The woman and the husband are dragged forcibly into a hut. The two children are seated in a corner. A dozen or so Burmese soldiers proceed to assault in the most horrific possible ways the mother. The husband protests vehemently and is shot in the head. And now we have two children living and a mother, the victim of the most horrific and brutal sexual crimes who have witnessed the murder of their baby sibling and their father. And the American people have done nothing to demand changes because we don't know. And that brings us back to our question for the hour, and that is what is more dangerous, evil or ignorance? Or if you want to take the time machine way back, 53 minutes or so, what is a hero and who's yours? But the bottom line is it's a big world, and I think it was Edmund Burke who said that all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men, and I'll add women, to do nothing. So what is a hero and who is yours? Also taking calls on Tommy the dog, what sort of individual pours an accelerant on a Dog chained to a fence and lights it on fire. And do we want them walking around among us? 
This is Tom Garrett in for the Lee Brothers on AM 820 FM 92.7 WNTW. And we'll be right back. The Lee Brothers, showing off the First Amendment and using the second only when necessary. Filling in for the Lee Brothers on AM 820 and FM 92.7 WNTW. The topic over this hour, among other things, has been what is a hero and who is yours? We talked about some of the injustice that's perpetrated in our world every day while we turn a blind eye. And who poured accelerant on Tommy the dog and set that animal on fire? Should they be walking free among us? Who's your hero and why? I'll talk about one more. A woman diagnosed with terminal cancer, the mother of two, given six months to live, and there's nothing they can do about it. Second, third, fourth opinions, Johns Hopkins, the Mayo Clinic, MCV, UVA, nobody would take her. They said, enjoy your last six months. Her husband stayed on the telephone. Well, Mr. Dr. Smith, if you can't help me, could you recommend three other people I could call? And this April, my mom will turn 76 years old. My father never gave up. And after a terminal diagnosis, she's still alive. And that's why my dad is one of my heroes. So at the next hour, we will be joined by another type of hero, former Navy SEAL Virginia delegate, John McGuire. We welcome you back in just six minutes to AM 820 and FM 92.7 WNTW. I'm Tom Garrett and for the Lee Brothers. In for the Brothers Lee on AMA 20 FM 92.7 WNTW. Today's overarching topic, what is a hero and who's one of yours? Also discussing the untold stories of suffering visited upon our brothers and sisters across the globe and the fact that we sit by idly and don't do anything. Tommy the dog, and in this hour, we expect to hear from another type of hero, former Navy SEAL small businessman, Virginia Delegate John McGuire. Once again, Tom Garrett, what's a hero and who's yours? Now, we've talked about Myanmar. We've talked about the number of Christians in Iraq and Syria being pushed from north of 3 million down to 400,000. We've talked about sectarian violence by Muslim herders against Christian farmers in Nigeria. The news break talks about elections upcoming in Nigeria. Little known fact, the largest sub-Saharan African displaced population seeking to cross the Mediterranean is from Nigeria. And so these people, these Christians who are pushed off their farms by the herders in these former herder wars, they're not voting. That's your ethnic cleansing. That will change the face of the government of Nigeria, which will accelerate accelerate the oppression. And there aren't many heroes to be found 
But the people who stepped in the fray and do something about it, the pastor Hassan Abdur Rahims and the Petr Yashiks from the Voice of Martyrs who give food to the starving and medicine to the suffering, these are heroes, and they do it in places where they can't even deliver a meal without fear for their lives. So what's a hero and who is yours? And Tommy the dog. And what story is the media not telling that they ought to be telling? And soon, Virginia House of Delegates, a representative from the 56th District, former Navy SEAL John McGuire. I'm Tom Garrett in for the Lee Brothers on AMA 20 FM 92.7. Barbara Rose Johns. We covered her in the first half an hour, a 16-year-old girl with the courage of her convictions who understood that those things that are yours are not yours until you claim them. In her instance, having listened to her uncle, Vernon Johns, talk about the gift that was the articulation of the Declaration of Independence and the rights that are bestowed upon us, not by a government, but by God, was able to stand up in front of a group of her peers and demand an equality of opportunity as a young African-American girl in 1951 in Prince Edward County, Virginia, and we don't know her name. But now you do, because you're listening to the Lee Brothers, and I'm guest host Tom Garrett. So these are heroes. Who's yours? And we have not got Delegate McGuire, so we will move on to the next subject matter and hope that he will call in. He's running. A, okay, now we have got him. Delegate McGuire, are you on my phone? That's dead air. That means no. John McGuire, are you on my telephone? Yes, I am. Golly, Ned, man. I mean, I thought you Navy SEAL types were always on time on target. That's right. I know what they taught us when I was in the Army is if you can't be on time, be early. But apparently you guys just come parachuting in from a halo insertion under the cover of darkness and get there whenever you want. Is that how that works? You got to get it done. That's true. Are you in the fight, brother? I'm in the fight, brother. You got some good stories to tell. Today's subject matter is what is a hero and who is yours? Now, the definition that I was using is that a hero is someone who does things that you're not good things, that you're not sure you would do under the same circumstances. Someone who does good things that you're not sure you would do under the same circumstances. So you're a Navy SEAL, which means you can hold your breath a long time. <laughs> but, but tell us about who a hero of yours is. Well, uh, let's see. I mean, I, have, I got childhood heroes, I guess. Uh, my grandfather fought World War II, you know, and Korea. And uh, he rescued me from foster homes. Uh, when I was... Uh, when I was... Uh, Five years old, my mother abandoned me, uh, and my older sister and I ended up in foster homes. And the guy, he was just, uh, you know, he was a hard worker. He worked long hours, came home, and a man of principle. And I remember I came running home from a bully one time, and he said, boy, who are you more afraid of, me or that bully? And I caught that bully by the tennis court, and I've never run again. He's a strong man. Well, I, I had, I had a, that's you know, these are amazing stories and stories that need to be told. I think you can tell a lot about a society by the people that they hold up as heroes. And your grandfather sounds like a man I would have loved to have met. I, I came home from being on the receiving end 
uh, of some physical unpleasantness when I was probably in about fifth grade. And my father said, you've got a tough decision to make. You can never go over there and play again, or next time you can stay and have them call me to come get you. Because he didn't like the fact that I'd run away, and he assured me there would be a next time because I had run away. And so this young man who was a little older than me and a little bigger than me did surely enough start the same thing uh, a few months later. And ultimately, his father had to call our house to have my dad come over and pick me up because I was I might have been given one punch to every three I received. But I think he never, ever pushed me after that. So these are good life lessons that I don't know if we're allowed to teach in 2019. And I don't think we're any better for it. Now, you've done a lot of things in your life. Navy SEAL member of the House of Delegates. But one of the things I want to talk about is you're a job creator, right? You started a business of your own. Tell us about that. Yes, uh, this year we celebrate 20 years of business. I must be getting old, but I feel pretty good. Um, but, you know, in uh, September 1998, I got out of the Navy and I started a business, an outdoor physical fitness No, let me, let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you. You got out of the Navy. Did you start your business immediately or did you go to a desk for a little while? So I got a, I got a job with Corporate America. Um, actually, there was a cell phone company called Nextel Cell Phones. And um, I noticed that my boss was out of shape. Uh, he wouldn't look me in the eyes, so he lacked confidence. And uh, he would give me tasks for the day. I'd get them done before lunch, and he had nothing for me the rest of the day. So he lacked leadership. He lacked uh, fitness, and he lacked confidence. And, uh, you know, the fear of starting a business was at one level and having job security is another. But he, he bored me more than I was afraid to start my own business. So I went out there and started a business. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, I had five people in the first class, and no one came back. Uh, I had to work on my people skills. But I surveyed people, would you like, would you not like? And and now we're in several cities, and we're training people all over the world. What's the name of your business? It's called SEAL Team PT. The PT stands for physical training, not part-time, but SEALTeamPT.com. Oh, I just, you don't and have to plug mid- it. I just wanted to know the name. But uh, how many employees do you have now, John? So we have 55 employees. Good grief. And you have an advanced degree, right? You've got a Harvard degree in business administration, correct? <laughs> That's right. No, no. I mean, the, the, the point I'm trying to make here is you're a guy who had an idea and a work ethic and a vision. And you, you know what? You started something. There are 55 people who help feed their families and go on vacation and buy Christmas presents by virtue of that idea. And that's America, man. So you're you're in the General Assembly of Virginia. Now, I think it's crazy to go through BUDS. That's basic underwater demolition school to become a SEAL. But when we come back from break, I want you to tell me about what's going on that's crazy in the General Assembly, uh, if you're willing to stick around. Sure, sure. All right, we got about 10 seconds before we go to break. This is Tom Garrett in for the Lee Brothers on AM 820 FM 92.7 WNTW. And we'll be back. Want to help Richard prove Scott's wrong once and for all? Call the Lee Brothers at 454-1366. Not you, John McGuire. That's uh, for the person who... Port accelerant on Tommy the dog, lit him on fire and killed him, who is now walking around free among us. That's my dedication to them. Uh, we'd call that justice. I'm Tom Garrett filling in for Scott and Richard Lee, the Lee brothers on 
AMA 20, FM 92.7, WNTW. And we're joined right now by former Navy SEAL and Virginia delegate, small business founder of SEAL Team PT, and a guy who I'm proud to call a friend, even if you won't claim me, John McGuire. John, <laughs> John we were talking uh, before the break uh, about some of the craziness going on in the Virginia General Assembly. Have you ever seen anything like this? Well, I'll tell you what, it hasn't been boring. This is my second session, and uh, I've asked some of the guys that have been there 20-plus years, and they said, uh, yep, you're around for the 400th anniversary of the General Assembly, and for all of them, they say it's the uh, craziest session they've ever had. So I'm around to experience it. Well, I'll tell you what, I uh, I spent five years going in and out of those hallowed halls, albeit on the other side of the building from where you are, and I would tell you mathematically that the probability of having scandals envelop within a 10-day time frame the attorney general, the lieutenant governor, and the governor all at once, uh, particularly all of a national magnitude, is kind of like winning the Powerball. Now, if I had to choose between the two, I'd go with the Powerball. How about you, John? <laughs> yeah, well, I think out of the three, uh, the biggest thing to me was, you know, Delegate Tran had that interview with uh, Todd Gilbert about, uh, uh, you know, killing a baby at birth. And I didn't think it could get any worse than that uh, or more honest. And the next thing you know, the governor has that radio interview and and made it worse. Well, so, here's uh, a guy who says, well, what we would do is we'd take the baby and we'd make sure it was comfortable. This is a post-delivery baby. Now, I know he's a doctor and not a lawyer, and I have the unfortunate distinction of having suffered through um, property law with Wade Berryhill. But once that baby's out, is it not protected by 14th Amendment equal protection? And should we stop calling it abortion and just start calling it murder? And would Ralph be so candid as to have run on that as opposed to springing it on us once he's in the governor's mansion? Um, All rhetorical. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that's where we are in Virginia. And um, God knows there's nowhere to go but up. So talk about some bills that you're carrying this session or, or, or things that are very interesting that sort of are taking your energy and time. Well, I think the biggest thing for us down there is the budget. And I think we all know in Virginia that, uh, you know, Donald Trump, he had the tax cuts, and we were looking forward to getting that back into the people's hands, the people who paid those taxes. And he uh, and his team looked at it like a $1.2 billion windfall. Uh, but thank goodness we have a, have a Republican majority in the House and the Senate, even if it's slim, and we've managed to put together a budget that puts that money back in uh, the pockets of the people that actually paid it. So there was quite a bit of uh, negotiating. So that's probably the biggest thing. Um, for me personally, uh, you know, when I ran for office, I said that I wanted to uh, help uh, support uh, legislation that would lower taxes, create jobs, better support our law enforcement, first responders, the opioid crisis, stuff like that. And uh, we have a bill that helps uh, give school nurses and other uh, school uh, medical staff at schools legal permission to store and administer life-saving naloxone and other, um, you know, opioid antagonists. So, so right you know, now opioid- the status quo is that this is a naloxone is a product that could save lives where there's an o- opioid yeah. overdose, and we don't have the ability for school nurses to have access to that. So. It's not just a theory, but a reality that people could die by virtue of the inability of our schools to have this on hand. Yes, and it's a shame that we even need this in this day and age. But unfortunately, more people died from overdose last year 
than died in the Vietnam War. So it's it's unfortunate, but it's a reality, and we got so much more to do. Uh, but it's nice to be able to be a small part of helping out. Now I got you've you've run for office successfully. You've completed uh, buds and become a Navy SEAL. You've started a small business some twenty years ago that employs fifty five people, and you had a bad day on a trampoline. What's the toughest challenge that you've ever had to overcome? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, life is tough. I think you and me, brother, we're both warriors, so we understand that. Is uh, one thing we understand as warriors is that it's not what you look like; it's what you fight like. And when you fall down, and you get back up. And we all have adversity in our life. And when you go through adversity, you have a choice. You can become a victim or a fighter. And, uh, yeah, so in October 2006, I think that was a pretty tough one. I thought, you know, I kind of defined myself as more of a physical leader out there, leading everybody with the run, lead them on the push-ups, all that. And then in a blink of an eye, um, I landed on my neck on a trampoline and C4 broke. And it stabbed my spinal cord. And I was completely paralyzed. And it probably seemed like five minutes, probably five minutes till the ambulance got there, but it seemed like forever. Uh, but the surgeon told my wife uh, I wouldn't make it through the night. And if I did, I would never use my arms and legs again. So it took me about a year to walk. And, uh, you know, I, I told my doctor I got 80 years to work on it, but I feel like God gave me a second chance. And, and you, and you do some walking. Now you're still leading, you're leading SEAL P- Team PT again after having been told you'd never walk again. Yeah, yeah, I don't let the world put limits on me, and I suggest others don't, you know, don't let the world put limits on you. But, yeah, I'm doing six-hour races up and down mountains with 50-pound sandbags and uh, qualified for obstacle course world championships. You know, I'm slower than I was, but uh, I fall down, I get back up, and I just keep on going. We got 30 seconds to break, but when we come back, I'd like to hear you tell the story about a plastic water bottle and how that plastic water bottle embodied a challenge. It's one of the neatest stories I've ever heard, folks. We're on with former Navy SEAL Virginia Delegate John McGuire. I'm Tom Garrett in for Scott and Richard Lee on AM 820 FM 92.7 WNTW. Making... Radio great again. It's the Lee Brothers. Twenty FM ninety two point seven WNTW back with former Navy SEAL, small business owner, job creator, and certifiably insane man because he ran for and won the Virginia House of Delegates. Delegate John McGuire. John, we're talking about a trampoline accident where your C four vertebrae broke, pierced your spinal cord, caused the doctor to tell your wife you probably wouldn't make it through the night, then share the fact that you'd probably never use your arms and legs again. Now you're running, qualifying for the World Obstacle Course Championships, running up hills carrying 60-pound bags. But it all started with a bottle, a plastic water bottle, didn't it? And we had about two minutes before we hit the hard break at 30. Can you talk about a plastic water bottle? Well, sure. You know, I, I tell you, before I run out of breath, my personal mission is to help people believe in themselves and realize we can do so much more. Uh, but uh, using that same philosophy that I teach, uh, when I broke my neck, you know, it took me three years to turn ignition in my car, which for a Navy SEAL who does 20 one-finger pull-ups, that's hard to believe. But, you know, you got to stay in the fight. But there was a situation where in my kitchen where I had to take a water bottle top off. 
it took me almost 30 minutes to get that top off. And it's hard to believe a seal could be that weak. And I remember a firefighter friend of mine said, hey, let me get that for you. And I said, if you do, I'm going to get another one. Because, you know, uh, difficult doesn't mean impossible. And, you know, you got to fight for stuff. And, uh, you know, we've certainly come a long way since then. So uh, every day is progress. Well, listen, I think, again, I mean, the limits of the human spirit are, are those oftentimes that we impose upon ourselves. We've been talking today about what is a hero. I've said it's somebody who does things that are good that we don't know if we would or could do under the same circumstances. And by gosh, John McGuire, you're my friend. I think you're a hero, too. Thank you for serving in the General Assembly. Thank you for bringing some common sense and some business acumen. Thank you for your service with the United States Navy SEALs, and thank you for your friendship. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Tom Garrett, in for Scott and Richard Lee on AM 820 WNTW-FM 92.7, and we'll be back. Richard Lee, the circus clowns of talk radio. Welcome back. It's 434 on AMA 20 and FM 92.7 WNTW. And I'm Tom Garrett filling in for the Lee brothers, Scott and Richard Lee. This is still the home of the best talk in Richmond. And you're tuned in with us the last half hour, former Navy SEAL, small business owner, job creator, and certifiable lunatic because he serves in political office, Delegate John McGuire. And boy, uh, the topic for the first hour is what is a hero and who's one of yours? John McGuire is one of mine. I took this quote from the last segment. Difficult does not mean impossible. Here's a guy who couldn't open a plastic water bottle, who couldn't turn the ignition in his own truck for three years, who had previously been a Navy SEAL and led people in physical training for a living. And now, after doctors said he'd never walk again, He's qualifying for the World Obstacle Course Championship. Wow. Difficult doesn't mean impossible. In the news right now, President Trump has said he's going to declare a state of emergency to address the crisis at the border. Now, we hear that there is no crisis at the border, that there is no emergency. I would invite you to call in at 804-454-1366 with your thoughts on that. Right now, you better change the station or else you're about to get mine. There's a lot of debate over the death toll of Hurricane Maria. Pounded Puerto Rico just a couple of short years ago. The high number given is in the ballpark of 3,000 killed. And it was undeniably a national emergency. That's 3,000 probably lower, but we're not 100% certain, who lost their lives. And it was undoubtedly a national emergency. Let's take some other examples. Hurricane Katrina, that would be the one that really stands out in my lifetime. The official recognized death toll for Katrina is just over 
1800. Hurricane Camille, if you're a Virginian, if you've got any age on you, you know that it filled Lake Anna overnight. It was supposed to take a couple of years. You know that Nelson County, Virginia, actually took one of the hardest hits and death toll from a hurricane of any county in America. Undoubtedly, an emergency. Hurricane Camille, death toll? A few hundred. Well, what if I told you that people in our country illegally kill somewhere around three to 4,000 people a year via homicide, via homicide, murder? What if I told you that 12 to 14% of people stopped for driving under the influence of drugs and alcohol in the United States were unlicensed in here illegally? What if I told you that the death toll on our highways from people here illegally was also well over 1,000 each year? What if I told you that we lost tens of thousands of innocent human lives last year alone in an opioid epidemic where a staggering percentage of those drugs come across our porous southern border? Now, our death toll, let's just go a range here. We're kicking around 15,000, 20,000 right now annually. What if I told you that the resurgence in diseases that had heretofore seemed to be eradicated, measles, mumps, rubella, etc., were on the uptick and that many of the cases were coming across our poorest southern border? What if I told you that in Virginia alone, we spend untold tens of millions of dollars because it's our state constitutional responsibility to educate the children who are in our state for people who are here illegally? What if I told you that nationally, that was tens of billions of dollars? What if I told you that the money that we spent in federal prisons to incarcerate a federal prison population, which has not been below double digits of people here illegally for three generations— would build the wall to the tune of the money that the president requested every single year, just in dollars saved if we weren't incarcerating those people who were in our country illegally for additional crimes above and beyond those which they committed when they chose to enter illegally. What if I told you that our quota system for legal immigrants is pushed downward by the realization that we have growth we can't account for by virtue of those who come illegally. Would you think it was an emergency? Now, let me be clear. I'm not crazy about the president invoking emergency powers. I think it's an extraordinary circumstance. Having said that, we've outlined now homicide deaths over 3,000 a year, vehicular deaths related to driving under the influence well over 1,000 a year, Opioid overdose deaths that would, if you consider the percentage of opioids illegally coming across our southern border, come out to well over 10,000 a year. Now you're at a point where if you go about five years, you've got more deaths inflicted upon American citizens who are here by people who are here illegally than we lost soldiers in the entire Korean or Vietnam War. Would you think it was an emergency then? Would you think it was an emergency then? The number, 804-454-1366. I'm Tom Garrett in for Scott and Richard Lee on AMA 20 FM 92.7 WNTW. The president has said he's going to declare a state of emergency. We have no doubt that this will be mired in federal litigation. Do you think there's a crisis that rises to the proportion of an emergency along our southern border? Do you think that 
10, 15, 20,000 American lives losing, lost at the hands of people here illegally or drugs trafficked across our poorest southern border illegally constitute an emergency? If you don't think that three to 4,000 homicides alone per year committed by illegals on American soil constitutes an emergency, then do you think Hurricane Camille, which killed far fewer people, was an emergency? Do you think Hurricane Katrina, which killed half as many people as those here illegally kill each year directly, should have been an emergency? How about Hurricane Maria? Truly, one of the most frustrating things that I experienced during my time in Washington, D.C., was being surrounded by a bunch of women and men who said that they would do one thing when they campaigned and got to Washington and did something entirely different. And I'll tell you that the best sort of analog that I can find for how people covet the responsibility or the role or the honor or whatever you choose to call it of a congressional or senatorial pin is, is Gollum and the Lord of the Rings, right, my precious? But it's not about being somebody, is it? It's about doing something. And so the last hour... Former Navy SEAL Delegate John McGuire left us with the idea that difficult doesn't mean impossible. And while I have been rightly critical, I would submit, of this president, how can you say that tens of thousands of people every month or so taking the lives of tens of thousands of people either directly through homicide, through vehicular malfeasance vis-a-vis 12 to 14% of all DUIs, and trafficking a huge percentage of the illegal opioids that come across our southern border, which take the lives of tens of thousands more every year. How can you say that's not an emergency? 804-454-1366, Tom Garrett in for the Lee Brothers, taking your calls. And again, the opening segment today was, what's a hero and who's one of yours? Still taking calls on that. Tommy the dog and how we feel about the fact that the person that poured an accelerant on that dog set it on fire and it subsequently has passed. Walks free among us. These are all fair game. And we look forward to taking your calls. In the next hour, former United States Senator, author of Falling in Love with America, Former head of the Heritage Foundation and all-around good guy, Jim DeMint, Senator Jim DeMint, will be joining us. In the interim, is there an emergency at our southern border? Tell me why there's not an emergency at our southern border. In fact, I'll play devil's advocate. Tell me why there is. I've just outlined a case where literally you can directly or indirectly attribute the loss of probably 15,000, 20,000 American lives every single year to our poorest southern border. But let's say that's not an emergency. Tell me why that is an emergency. Again, death tolls from Katria, Maria, and Camille. Three of the biggest hurricanes that I know of that have hit the United States as far as loss of life go. Pale in comparison to the number of people that died at the hands of illegals over the period of a couple of years. And they were all declared emergencies. So we're welcoming your calls at 804-454-1366. This is Tom Garrett in for Scott and Richard Lee. And meanwhile... And meanwhile, one half of the political parties who are represented in Washington vow to fight the border declaration, right? If you Google search it, you can find the paper where a young woman who worked for the Democrat Party wrote a paper open to the public saying that absolutely profligate, 
illegal immigration was a key to the success of the Democrat Party growing their base moving forward. Why is that? Uh, among other things, I've successfully charged and prosecuted voter fraud. Folks, it's real. And it's here. And Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi said there's no crisis at the southern border. Are they wrong? Tell me why. Call after the break, 804-454-1366. This is Tom Garrett in for Scott and Richard Lee on AMA 20 FM 92.7 WNTW. Making radio great again. It's the Lee Brothers. He rocks in the treetop all day long. Hopping and a bopping and a singing his song. All the little birds on J. Tom Garrett in for Scott and Richard Lee on AMA 20 FM 92.7 WNTW. And on the line, we have Kenneth from Mechanicsville. No emergency at the southern border, is there, Kenneth? Boy, I tell you, uh, you've um, you did a really good job using the hurricanes as an example. Um, I hear on TV a lot. You know, they're talking about um, going all the way back to uh, Ronald Reagan when four million people were in here illegally. But I, I think the, the public needs to understand. There's eight years with Reagan. There's four years with uh, Bush Senior. It was eight years with Clinton. It was eight years with uh, George Bush Jr. It was eight years with Obama, and it's two years with um, the Trump, and now we're at 20 million people. And, you know, the more we can explain to the American people in terms that they can really understand, this is a critical mass. This is not some incidental. It's not Trump's wall. It's a critical mass of people that have gotten into here, and... The practice deteriorates our Constitution. It's kind of like termites in wood. And so this is some serious stuff that looks like it's some kind of drama on TV, but it's anything but. Well, look, Kenneth, one of the things I want to, and you haven't done this, right? I'm not pointing a finger at you, but one of the things we have to do is not is not sort of say, make it a we-they thing, right? They're, they're wonderful, hardworking people of every hue and color of the, of the, of the rainbow, except like purple and green and whatnot. Um, so it's not about people and their ethnic ethnicity. It's about following the rules. And, and when your first act on American soil is quite literally to break our law and, and butt in line, um, you, you know, that's probably, you're probably not off to a good start. What, what do you think, Kenneth? So, so you're saying that there yeah. is an emergency. Yeah, I think there's a critical mass of, of an emergency that, that this is not just uh, a 20 million uh, people thing, and I, I'm with you about um, the goodness of uh, human beings, okay? I'm with you about the law, though, and the deterioration of a constitutional precedent that it can spread. And so, um, and then let's put it in something else that Americans can understand. Let's say there's somebody that's up at bat in a major league world series, and the guy hits the ball out to right field, but it drifts wide right, and it's foul. Well, it's foul, so the guy has to come back and bat again. Unless you came in through the southern border, in which case we're going to play the foul ball, but that guy can run the bases and play it like it's fair. This is fundamentally what the problem is. We, we have a set of game rules, and Americans are uh, all about their athletics. We should be able to identify that 
what we're doing by allowing this aberration of our base uh, rule is we're changing our country. And so I just uh, I appreciated the way you took the emergency of the hurricane and, and turned it into something that uh, Americans can identify with. Well, Kenny, thank you so much. I will tell you that that is Tom's first rule of radio, and that is that even a blind squirrel finds an acorn every once in a while. Um, <laughs> if we go back to the Reagan administration, if we go back to 1980, and we just take 3,000, okay? The number of homicides committed by people here illegally every year is closing on 4,000. And, and then you can add a couple thousand more if you look at vehicular deaths. Again, 12 to 14% of all DUIs are, are given to people who are here not legally, right? And so then if you figure in the death toll, right? And we could keep going. We could do the opioid crisis. But let's just pick 3,000, which is a low number, and then, and then multiply that by the 38 and change years since 1980. We're looking at... Oh, I don't know, 114,000-ish deaths? That's Vietnam yeah. twice, right? And, and so, I mean, how you could say this with a straight face isn't an emergency is beyond me. Now, again, I, I, again I, I, I'm not a never-Trumper, and I'm not an always-Trumper. I'm a call-him-like-I-see-him kind of guy. The guy is flummoxed and frustrated because he ran, he made a promise, and he's come to Washington, D.C., and it's a town full of people who ran, made lots of promises, and never intended to keep them. On both well, sides of the right. aisle. So here, this is where we are. And uh, Kenneth, I want to thank you for calling in. Folks, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi vow to fight this, saying there is no emergency at our southern border. Again, it, the death tolls uh, uh, from Katrina, from, from Maria, from Camille combined come out to a number that's right around the number of people who are killed every year, either in vehicular incidents are murdered by people in this country illegally. Now, if those weren't emergencies, then I don't, I candidly don't want to know what the threshold for an actual emergency is. But this is America circa 2019. And again, let's not conflate this with a we, they sort of politics of identity thing. I don't candidly care where you're from. You, you should get in line and come in this country legally by the rules. And if you want to avail yourselves of that, then I don't blame you. Because I will unabashedly say that this is the greatest country that's ever graced the face of the planet and still has a long way to go in the perpetual American revolution. I'm Tom Garrett in for the Lee brothers. The perpetual American revolution is something I like to talk about because the left likes to tell us how horrible we are as a nation. And they like to point out that people like Jefferson and Madison and Mason and Washington own slaves. And there is absolutely positively no defense for one human being owning another. But let's not throw out the proverbial baby with the bathwater, people, right? The struggle began by casting off an oppressive crown from across the ocean, but it continued through the civil rights movement. It continued through ridiculous rulings by our, some would say, infallible Supreme Court like Dred Scott to a point now where at least everyone who's here legally, I hope, is entitled to an opportunity and we should strive for it to be equal, Right. So there's a ways to go, but I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. This is Tom Garrett on the best radio in Richmond. And for the Lee Brothers on AMA 20 WNTW FM 92.7. The Lee Brothers, showing off the First Amendment and using the second only when necessary. Garrett in for the Lee brothers, Scott and Richard, out. 
but this is still the best radio in Richmond. AMA 20, FM 92.7 WNTW. I feel like they must have really, really dropped the bar for what it takes to become a Jedi. What is he talking about? They must have really lowered the bar for what it takes to become a Jedi because this reminds me of Obi-Wan Kenobi telling the stormtroopers, nothing to see here, move along. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Nancy and Chuck tell us no crisis, no emergency at the border. Meanwhile, if you want to count opioid deaths, we're well over 10,000 Americans a year dying. If you just want to count homicides and deaths on our highways, maybe closer to 5,000. But these aren't the droids you're looking for. Move along. Would anyone have watched Star Wars if Luke Skywalker were played by Chuck Schumer and Princess Leia by Nancy Pelosi? Don't dwell too long on that. I may have just ruined one of the greatest movie franchises of all times. But they tell us there's no crisis at the border in the next hour. Former United States Senator, former head of the Heritage Foundation, author of Falling in Love with America, an all-around good guy, Senator Jim DeMint. Stick around with your calls and speak to us about whether or not there's an emergency at our southern border. I'm Tom Garrett, and for Scott and Richard Lee on AMA 20, FM 92.7, WNTW. Back. This is Tom Garrett in for Scott and Richard Lee on AM 820 FM 92.7 WNTW, the best talk in Richmond. Joining us this hour is a guy who, were my dad here, he would say qualifies as a hero. Um, somebody who I hold in super high regard. Uh, and a man who I think when he leaves this earth, though we hope it is not for a while yet, will honestly be able to say it's a better place than had he not been here. Ladies and gentlemen, Former Senator Jim DeMint, welcome to the Lee Brothers Show, Senator DeMint. Hey, Tom, it's great to be with you. You're doing a great job for the few minutes I had a chance to listen to you, but it's it's good to be with you, and uh, and, and you certainly did your part of trying to move our country in the right direction. I'm not done yet. I'm still in the fight, and so are you. Um, I, I'll tell you, that I appreciate your compliment. It could all go south at any moment, so we're going to keep our fingers crossed. But you're doing something new now. You started a new endeavor up in Washington, D.C. I told him earlier that you were one of 11 good people who routinely spent time in Washington, down from 12 because I left. Um, but what do you do? What are you doing up in Washington now when you're not in South Carolina these days? Well, Tom, I spent years trying to elect good people. I started Senate Conservatives Fund. I've helped with the House Freedom Fund. I was even in the House and the Senate myself. And as you know from from being there, the, the system it cuts you up if you're trying to do what you promised as a conservative. Just trying to slow the growth of government. Just do common sense things. The, the, the swamp is going to try to take you out, even leadership in your own party. So what we did, uh, a group of us who've worked in the House and the Senate, and we've worked together for years, we started the Conservative Partnership. It, it's conservativepartnership.org. And the whole idea is to create a, a support system, a benefit package, if you will, for conservatives and their staff who are trying to do the right thing in the House and the Senate and the administration. 
Well, we've got a, a 12,000 square foot building right behind the Library of Congress, so you can walk there. And uh, every week we've got the, the House Freedom Caucus meeting there. We've got outside conservative groups. We've got staff training so people know what they're doing. We spend a lot of time trying to get good staff in the offices of conservatives because, as you probably noticed, all it takes is a couple of good bad staffers to turn a good conservative in the wrong direction. So, uh, And we, we try to make sure that the good guys get reelected uh, more and more. We're, we're um, doing our part to help the House Freedom Fund, the Senate Conservatives Funds, and, and others who try to get the backs of the good guys. Now, there's a, so there's, that's a, what, there's a former Virginia elected official who's got a pretty prominent role or had one in the Senate Conservatives Fund, right? Um, uh, Ken Cuccinelli did oh, some work. Oh, Ken Cuccinelli yeah. is ahead of it now, yeah. We, he's from New Jersey, job. but we claim him. That, well, yeah, you, you should. And, he, no, he's a, a real dynamic conservative leader involved in a whole lot of things. He's, uh, I think, won the trust of the president and uh, gives him some uh, good advice these days. But So Ken's doing a great job working with the, the team of Senate Conservatives Fund. But, but he'll tell you that you can – spend millions and let good folks you send them to washington but and until we started this it, you know you don't really need a think tank once you're there you need uh, a support system somebody will get you good staff somebody will get you together with senators and congressmen who are like-minded and and help you get good staff and so that's what we're doing but it's conservativepartnership.org and i please Appreciate you asking about it. If you guys are listening out in the audience and you don't go visit conservativepartnership.org, you're doing yourself a disservice. If you believe in the things that this nation was founded upon, shameless plug for falling in love with America again by Senator Jim DeMint, um, then that's a place you need to go. And these are people you need to support. Senator, I'm going to tell you a story. And when I'm done, I want you to tell me true or false. We're going to talk to each other like we're just talking on the phone so the listeners can hear. Once upon a time, there was a freshman congressman from Virginia it was January. He'd been sworn in for just a couple of days, and we were trying to determine what committees he would serve on. And the largest, largest economic activity in his particular congressional district was agriculture. And so he thought that it might be useful to his district if he were to serve on the Ag Committee, which placed him in a circumstance wherein he spoke with the then Republican chairman of the Ag Committee. And the Republican chairman said to the new freshman congressman, well, we've got to pass a farm bill this session, so you're going to need to tell me you can vote for that. Now, I might tip my hand here, but my response was, well, let me take a look at it, and I'd like to find a way to get to yes, but I'm not going to tell you I can vote for it before I read it, so where can I find it? And he responded, well, we haven't written it yet, but if you want to be on the committee, you've got to go ahead and tell me you can vote for it. True or false? Did that, is that a true story? Uh, I'm sure it is, because I've, I've heard countless stories like that. If you want on the transportation committee, you got to, you'll, at least it used to be, you could get some earmarks to take home, but you had to agree in advance to vote for the bill, no matter how, how bad it was. And, and that's how they, they play the game up there. And when you start pushing back, as you know, uh, they make it painful for you. They make it hard to get on committees and that makes it hard to raise money. Uh, and oftentimes the party is going to try to get somebody to run against you in the primary. So we got to do better than that. If we've got someone willing to, to, to do the right thing, we've got to, to make sure that the, the people get their back. And so we, we can help them on the inside, but we can also help coordinate a lot of the outside groups to uh, send their millions of emails, um, their phone calls 
to support what they're doing. And it's conservativepartnership.org, is that correct? Right. And and so, again, folks, you need to go check this out. This is really where we go to help the women and men who stand up for the values that created the greatest nation on the face of the planet. Um, and they will not defend themselves. And we said this earlier in the program. I think it's Edmund Burke. All that's necessary for evil triumph is for good men and women to do nothing. Get up off your seats and get engaged. Senator, you are a South Carolinian. Uh, I'm being told that you might have your radio on in the background. If you do, if you could turn it down. You are a South Carolinian. Not coming from my side. Okay. We don't know. Maybe it's the NSA. I know they listen to my phone calls sometimes. I I hope they're well. Um, You're a South Carolinian. I'm a Virginian. I I once heard, I believe um, it might have been a member of Congress from North Carolina, described North Carolina as a sea of humility between two mountains of arrogance. I think we should discuss amongst ourselves. (laughs) Oh, well, uh, it sounds like someone from North Carolina, but... um uh, we, we've all got beautiful states here. I grew up in South Carolina, still live here. I never moved to Washington. I just fly up every week. And um, and I'm sure you love Virginia. A lot of my relatives are there, there too. So uh, I don't think too many people from North Carolina would actually say that. Well, the, the world is a better place before, because Virginia has existed, right? I mean, it, it's, it's something to be a one-term congressman uh, who decided to go do different things, who, who represents a seat that was first held by a guy named James Madison. I like to tell people those are some really small, big shoes to fill. You are an advocate, too, for a convention of the states. Uh, if you can stick around for a little bit, I'd love to hear a little bit of what you think about the Convention of the States. Would that be something you can do with us? Yeah, well, I, I will. I would love to uh, hang on a few minutes uh, because that's an important issue I hope folks will take a look at. Outstanding. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Tom Garrett in for the Lee Brothers on the Best Talk in Richmond, AMA 20 FM 92.7 WNTW. And we'll be right back with former senator and all-around good man, Jim DeMint. Our version of the Federalist Papers. Without all that reading, it's the Lee Brothers. And we're back on the best talk in Richmond, filling in for the Lee Brothers. I'm Tom Garrett on AMA 20 FM 92.7 in with Jim DeMint. Founder or one of the founders of the new conservative partnership, conservativepartnership.org. You should go over there. If you share his values, if you share my values, you should give him some support. These are the people that change the world. And we're going to talk about something that's kind of a big deal. Now, I like to consider myself, Jim, somebody who doesn't flip flop. But I will tell you that over the course of about eight or nine years, I have come full circle. I was sort of very reluctant to throw my uh, support to the Convention of the States. I really thought that if it wasn't broke, we shouldn't be trying to fix it. Um, but as I've gotten older, um, I look at things like marketing concepts, recency, frequency, primacy, and, you know, the law is only as effective as it is enforced, right? And so we've gotten away from the foundational principles. The courts have done sort of acrobatic uh, machinations to find ways to sort of um, – create ambiguity or move away from things that are playing on their face. We don't look at the Bill of Rights as documents in the context of the times which they were written, which they have to be looked at in order to be understood. And I think we've lost something here. So in, in the interest of recency, frequency, primacy, and hoping that maybe 
the American voter will begin to understand just what the recipe is that made us a little bit different, a little bit special. I'm not so sure it's a bad idea. Your thoughts on the convention of the states? Uh, well, I can I can tell you, Tom. I was with you uh, ten or more years ago. I was in Washington fighting the fight. I, I thought we could, we had a chance to change things in Washington to maybe balance the budget to stop from going over a fiscal cliff. But I I became convinced that uh, Washington is not going to fix itself. Um, I mean, I. In 2010, the Senate Conservatives Fund, we brought in about 12 new senators. We got rid of earmarks, and they're trying to bring them back now. I mean, you can make a difference there, and that's why I'm still working. But I, I can tell you, unless the states step up and take their rightful responsibility to push back against the federal government, and we could, this country is going to hit some kind of cliff that's going to be very, very painful. When our founders wrote the Constitution, Tom, and you know this, they gave us uh, two ways to amend the Constitution, and they knew that would be necessary. Congress can propose an amendment, but then three-fourths of the states, which in our case is 38 states, have to ratify it. They gave us a second way to propose amendments. Two-thirds of the states can come together after they have agreed on the agenda for a convention. It's not just an open-ended convention. It's an Article 5 convention where they agree in advance what they're going to be discussing, at least the subject matter, and they, 34 states can call a convention. But just like the other way to uh, ratify amendments, you, 38 states have to ratify whatever they come up with in the convention. So the backstop, whether Congress recommends it or the states recommend it, is still 38 states have to ratify it. So I've worked in Washington, and I feel much more comfortable that 38 states are not going to do the bad bad things that, than I, I, I have no confidence anymore in Washington. So our founders gave us this way to do it. And the Convention of States, Tom, focuses on, on three areas. First, just to limit the, the, the fiscal authority of the federal government uh, and, and uh, like balancing the budget – to make them more responsible there, so a balanced budget amendment. They, they also uh, the, would propose amendments to limit the jurisdiction of the federal government. Like the Tenth Amendment in the uh, uh, Bill of Rights is completely ignored, as you know today. The Constitution specified some things the federal government uh, should do and left the rest of the states and the people. Things like education, health care. Um, and a, a lot of the transportation, uh, things like the environment, the states need to be much more involved with those things. And so the second amendments would be related to limiting the jurisdiction. The third is to, is to propose amendments that would limit the terms of federal officials, term limits on congressmen, senators, maybe judges, maybe even bureaucrats. This would be discussed at the convention. So I'm convinced that we've got to have the states Engaged. The states created the federal government. Originally, the states, uh, the state legislatures appointed the U.S. senators in order to keep those senators accountable to their states. Uh, that, that has been taken away. And now the only way the states can get engaged in this process is through the, an Article 5 convention. There's nothing dangerous about it. What's dangerous is not doing anything. I've heard some people say, well, the Convention of States could eliminate gun rights. 38 states will not eliminate gun rights. 
but they might in Washington. Uh, you know, 38 states are not going to ratify uh, late-term abortions, but they could do it in Washington just the way that they're going up there. So it's a constitutional method to hopefully put some brakes on the federal government. Today, um, Tom, the 13th state came in. You know, we're shooting for 34. Uh, Arkansas joined a number of other states, and your state and mine should should be ashamed, I think. Georgia and Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, they have all done it in, in addition to uh, Alaska, Indiana, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arizona, North Dakota, Texas, Missouri, and many, many other states are considering it. So, um, and again, the, the legislatures elect delegates to go to this convention, and they can only su- discuss those three subject matter areas. They cannot talk about gun rights. They cannot talk about all these other things. So, um, anyway, I support it, and it's 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 a law. It's a backup plan if we can't fix things in Washington. Well, it's getting get- <laughs> it's getting to the point where I think the writing is on the wall. I, I, the funny thing is that the states still ostensibly have control over things like education, but the federal government through grant money uh, bribes us with the tax dollars that we send to them, right? And, and we take it willingly. So we've sold our freedom, uh, and 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 essentially we've sold it with money uh, that that was taken from us. Uh, Senator Jim DeMint, again, uh, conservativepartnership.org, an advocate for all things reasonable in government and equal opportunity across the spectrum for people to do with the gifts that God's gave them, given them the best that they can. It's been an honor to have you. We look forward to talking to you again sometime. God bless you for all that you do. And thank you for coming on the best talk in Richmond, WNTW, AMA 20 FM 92.7. This is Tom Garrett. In for the brothers Lee, Scott, and Richard, and we'll be back. Kind, compassionate, and tolerant. Oh, wait, that's a different show. The Lee Brothers. Beef, it's what's for dinner. This is Tom Garrett filling in for Scott and Richard Lee on the best talk in Richmond AMA 20 FM 92.7 WNTW. What a neat, neat way to begin the five o'clock hour with Senator Jim DeMint. Now with the conservative partnership, conservativepartnership.org. And an interesting discussion on the Convention of the States. I'd invite you after the break to call in if you'd like to on that. We also discussed today the emergency or not at the southern border. Now, we welcome callers who want to tell us that Hurricane Katrina wasn't an emergency or that Hurricane Maria wasn't an emergency or that Hurricane Camille wasn't an emergency. But we'd really love to hear from people who tell us that there's no emergency at the southern border because, candidly, the death toll from people in this country illegally exceeds every single year each one of those hurricanes. Significantly. So President Trump who has done something that I think is remarkable and should be exceedingly rare, and I'm not terribly sure how I feel about it, except I've spent just a scintilla of time in Washington, and I'm frustrated. I never could separate myself as a citizen from myself as a legislator during the seven years I spent casting votes in the state Senate and Congress, and it baffled me to watch people wax poetic about what they intended to do when they got to Washington and then find ways to avoid doing it. So now the president has sort of used the the long ball, the Hail Mary, if you will, declared that there's a state of emergency on our southern border and that he's going to secure the border. You can call it a wall. You can call it a fence. You can call it anything. Just don't call it late for dinner. He's going to secure the border 
unders executive powers by declaring a state of emergency. Now, I think it's certainly unconventional. But if we use death tolls as a frame of reference, the death toll inflicted upon American citizens by people here illegally every year far outstrips just about any hurricane you can ever think of. So I'm Tom Garrett. We're going to be back after the break, welcoming your calls at 804-454-3166 on WNTW. The Circus Clowns of Talk Radio. Across my heart and hope to die. Taking this one step at a time. Cuts your back if you got time. One foot in front of the other. Welcome back. I'm Tom Garrett filling in for Brothers Lee, Scott, and Richard on Richmond's Best Talk Radio. WNTW. That's AMA 20 FM 92.7. And last half hour, we had Senator Jim DeMint. Conservative leader, advocate for the Convention of the States, a guy who I look up to. We've discussed a lot of things. What's a hero and who's one of yours? Crises and tragedies inflicted upon people across the globe that we never hear about because the news media doesn't deem them important enough. And most recently, an emergency or maybe not at our southern border, President Trump declaring an emergency in order to invoke his emergency powers and address the border crisis. We welcome your calls on any of those. Also, I'm shocked. I'm shocked because we've played and we'll play it again here soon. Uh, some bumper music by a great local band. Um, and the prize for the first caller who can call in and, and tell me who, who it is, is your tax dollars returned to you. Hang on. We're, this is grid music. We're doing it again. Your tax dollars return to you. You will get from me, mailed to your address of choice, an authentic Speaker of the House Paul J. Ryan challenge coin. You paid for it. You might as well get it back. But you got to tell me who that great band is. If not, stick around to the end of the show. I'll tell you. I know how many views that song has on their YouTube channel. We'll know how many of you are listening if I have to tell you and you're willing to go and listen to a great piece of music from some local artists. Meanwhile, emergency or not. Emergency or not. Again, the death toll in homicides alone annually, people killed by people in our country illegally, exceeds that of the greatest death toll of any hurricane declared an emergency or not in the United States in my lifetime, and then some. Then if you add... The staggering percentage of illegal opioids that come across our border, our poorest southern border, and the death toll from that, you're going to throw in another 15,000 or so, just picking numbers out of thin air. But this is accurate if you take the total death toll and the percentage that come across the southern border. Then if you consider 10 uh, or excuse me, 12 to 14 percent, depending upon the state of all DUIs issued and presumably then fatalities thereof are given to people in this country illegally. Then if you consider the Virginia budget and every other one of the 50 states that has to spend tens and tens and tens of billions of dollars nationally to educate young people who are here illegally because their parents had no regard for our laws. But maybe it's not an emergency. Maybe Jedi Chuck and Jedi Nancy, these aren't the droids you're looking for, move along, will convince the American people that there's nothing to see here. Beto O'Rourke, erstwhile senatorial candidate uh, and former breaking and entering uh, defendant, 
um, says he would tear down the existing border wall. Um, but we're welcoming your calls. And I'm Tom Garrett in for Scott and Richard Lee on the best talk in Richmond, AMA 20, FM 92.7 WNTW. I think we got to call her, but if we don't, we'll keep going because I could do this all day long. I got Johnny Clark from Alabama on the phone. I have known him for a little while. He is a bestower of wisdom and great nicknames. And I believe he's the first person I've ever heard refer to the freshman senator from Queens as a crazy O Cortez. Johnny Clark, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. And yourself? I'm doing pretty well. I don't know if the city of Richmond will survive this radio broadcast, but they've got me for another 22 minutes. Bestow upon us some of your great Alabama wisdom, sir. So I've kind of been looking at what's going on with the Democrat Party. And, you know, their scheme for quite some time has been to identify as many minority groups as they possibly can and then convince that group that they need to be part of the Democrats in order to be protected and taken care of. And I'm wondering if they have done this to the point where they're going to have fractionalization within the party because of this. If you look at the Green Deal that Ocrazio has put forward, it is going to destroy the labor unions and their jobs. Well, uh, let me let me break in there. If I'm an African-American blue collar worker and I see, I don't know, pick your number, somewhere between nine and 20 million people here illegally who are undercutting the free market by virtue of working for cash under the table. Is it helping me? No, it's not. And, you know, there's just another example. Uh, You know, traditionally, uh, the Jewish community in America has been a big supporter of the Democrat Party. And now we have open anti-Semitism in the party. Uh, It just goes on and on. Uh, Trying to think. I had two or three things, but I'm in the truck right now. I think the Democrats should hold an annual sporting event. Now, it won't be as venerated as the original Olympics, going back to ancient Greece, but we could call it the Victim Olympics, right? Uh, Wherein everyone stands up and tells a terrible story about how unfortunate they are because of something horrible inflicted upon them by the United States of America. And then they pick a winner, and then maybe we all genuflect or something. What do you think? That could work. You know, something like that. Uh, But, you, you know, the more we watch... And, you know, the thing that y'all have got going on with the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the AG right now, um, in the past, they have always done a very good job of having each other's backs. Now, I don't know if your governor is eventually going to have to leave office or not. He's going nowhere. They have not circled the wagons this time. And it's just, you know, it's kind of a change something in the air there uh if they do not have 100 percent unity i don't see how they survive and to put it in yogi Berra terms i think we might be on the verge of what comes next well it's something uh it's something to behold for sure and i think you make a very good point that when that when you try to be all things to all people you ultimately become nothing to anyone however having said that i think people who who will fall for the Jedi mind trick as, as sort of uh, foisted upon us by Jedi Pelosi and Jedi Schumer, that there's no emergency at our southern border. Uh, well, they might be the ones susceptible to, to going along just a little bit longer than thinking people might. 
Um, any other great insights uh, from the Yellowhammer State? Tom, I think that's going to have to be about it. I am looking at a ton of stuff I have got to get done. Well, Johnny Clark, thank you so much for calling in. We hope that they'll have us back, because if they do, we'll have you back. And I thank you. And do we give permission to use Ocrazio Cortez without copyright violation to our listenership? That's my question for you. That's free for everybody to use. All right. Labels are important, and there we go with another one. Well, there you go. Ocrazio Cortez by way of Alabama from New York. And Johnny Clark, a great caller with some great insights. Again, it's Tom Garrett in for the Lee Brothers on the Best Talk in Richmond, AMA 20, FM 92.7 WNTW. We're in the fight. We hope you are, too. So, back to the phones. If you think there's no emergency at the southern border and you haven't called me, I need you. I need you to explain to me. How upwards of 4,000 Americans every single year can be murdered at the hands of people who are not in our country legally. A number greater than the death toll of Camille and Katrina combined nearly times two, nearly, which were both universally recognized emergencies. But that's not an emergency. Somebody call me. Now, if you think it is an emergency, but I'm missing something, I need to hear that, too. And again, the topic from the beginning of the show, what is a hero and who's yours? I'll tell you what, if nothing else good comes out of this show today, and some would say it won't. Just the quote from former Navy SEAL, small business owner, job creator and delegate John McGuire who was told he would never walk again after a trampoline accident, difficult doesn't mean impossible. means this show is worth the price of admission, folks. I'm Tom Garrett in for Scott and Richard Lee. What's a hero and who's one of yours? What's a, and can a, can a politically elected person be a hero by virtue of simply doing their job and keeping their word? Is it so exceptional? In 2019, that someone should run for office and keep their word, that that alone might qualify them for hero status. Now, under my definition, then that's an indictment of yourself, because I say a hero is someone who does things you aren't sure you'd do under the same circumstances. Good things. So we're welcoming your calls. And what else is going on in the world? Tommy, Tommy the dog. Chained to a fence in Abner Clay Park, and one of our neighbors poured accelerant on Tommy and lit him aflame. And as of right now, Tommy has subsequently passed on. As of right now, that person walks the streets freely amongst us. Now, I don't want to value dog lives over human lives, but anyone who would do that to a helpless animal is a threat in our midst. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got 15 minutes left, and you are missing out on your chance to win an authentic taxpayer-funded Paul J. Ryan Speaker of the House Challenge coin. We need you to call in the next segment. I'm Tom Garrett in for the Lee Brothers on Richmond's Best Talk, AMA 20 FM 92.7 WNTW. I don't understand. It's just my job five days a week. Zero diversity, complete intolerance, and a total lack of fairness. 
It's the Lee Brothers. I'm Tom Garrett, and I'm in for the Brothers Lee, Scott and Richard, who are out today. I was trying to get a little DMX bumper music. I got, what is that? Is that Justin Timberlake? Instead, that was not bumper music of my choice. But we do have the best producer in all the radio, so I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack. Um, I'm Tom Garrett, filling in for the Lee Brothers. We've been talking about whether or not there's a border crisis on our southern border. What, is there an emergency? And then scanning the headlines during the break, I see U.S. has over 1,000 ISIS detainees. No ideas what to do with them. I would welcome callers who might have some ideas on what to do with over 1,000 ISIS detainees. I have some thoughts. Uh, now, if we, we can answer this one of two ways. We can do this seriously or we can do this metaphorically, sort of hyperbolically. Having said that, the first question is, are the people who we're detaining who are affiliated with ISIS, we believe, U.S. citizens? And that's a pretty important question if you believe that the Constitution and the Bill of Rights matter, and I do. Um, if they're not, we can just send them home and watch what evil is wrought there. But is there an emergency at our southern border? Is there an emergency at our southern border? Jedi Nancy and Jedi Chuck say these aren't the droids we're looking for. Move along. No emergency. Apparently, a lot of Republicans talk pretty tough on this issue but don't want to stand and fight. Let's not conflate this problem with people who want nothing more than to be employed, right? I mean, ultimately, we are a prosperous neighbor to the north who everyone knows doesn't begin to enforce its border laws. So is this our fault or theirs? I mean, if I was the father of five impoverished south of the border and I needed to provide for my wife and children and I knew that my wealthy neighbor to the north ostensibly really, I would argue, encouraged illegal immigration, what kind of father am I I if I don't come? I think the blame lies squarely on us, on our elected political leaders. And candidly, there are documents out there wherein one political party, which I will not name because I want you to think for yourself today, suggests that it's in their best interest to have an unstemmed flow of illegals from south of the border. And so, is there an emergency at the border? Is there not? I think there probably is. Again, the evidence that we've given is comparing the death tolls in terms of murder, in terms of, in terms of death from drunk driving, of people here illegally versus pretty much universally recognized emergencies like Hurricane Katrina. And folks, the hurricane's losing The hurricane is losing worse than the spiders lost to the rams the other night. So is there an emergency at the southern border? I say there is. What do you say? We welcome your calls at 804-454-1366-454-1366. This is Tom Garrett in for the Lee Brothers, Scott and Richard on Richmond's Nest Talk, AM 820, FM 92.7 WNTW. And what's a hero? I started to tell this story earlier, and I'm looking at the clock, and I think I'm going to tell it again. December 13th, 2011, my father, Thomas Jefferson High School graduate, grew up on Kensington Avenue in Richmond, Virginia, passed from this earth, ironically, of cancer. This is a man who never missed a day of work sick in his life, ever, who took better care of himself than I do by a long shot 
who quit smoking in his 40s and never drank in excess, who got sick in August of 2011 and was gone in December of cancer. But some 25, 30 years prior, his wife was diagnosed terminal with cancer, my mom. Mayo Clinic couldn't help her. Johns Hopkins couldn't help her. MCV couldn't help her. UVA couldn't help her. Nobody could help her. Enjoy your six months. My sister and I watched while cancer consumed my mother. My father's office was next door was next door to my bedroom. The phone that he used to call doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor was never idle when he was at home. I could hear through the wall him calling. Thank you, Dr. Smith. I'm sorry you can't help me. Could you recommend two more people I might call? Finally, the University of Pittsburgh took my mom and the woman who was diagnosed terminal, who Mayo Clinic, Johns Hopkins, UVA, and MCV couldn't help, will turn 76 in April. And I don't know if I'd have done what my dad did under the circumstances. The man never quit, and that's a hero. We have Thomas in Mechanicsville. You're on with Tom Garrett in for the Lee Brothers. Emergency at the border? Or not? Oh, yes. Uh, first of all, it's a pleasure talking with you, Tom. Uh, we used to cross paths at some of the uh, GOP uh, roundups, and I hope uh, your road to recovery will put you back in the game on the no, nah, the only thing I'm running for, Tom, is home here in a little bit. we got about 30 seconds before the break. I can hold you after the break. Emergency at the border. I'll, 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 I'll hold because I want to talk about the, the uh, president's conference today and uh, some of the questions that he was asked. Outstanding. And I think I'm eight months and 23, because I'm open about everything. My wife says I have Asperger's. Eight months and 22 days without a drink. So God's hey. been good, and uh, and life's good, and I'm happy. And, and again, the only thing I intend to run for anytime soon is uh, home. We're going to break. I'm Tom Garrett in for Scott and Richard Lee on Richmond's Best Talk, AMA 20 FM 92.7 WNTW. Tom, after the break, we'll be right back. WNTW, Richmond's Best Talk. I'm Tom Garrett in for the Lee Brothers. AMA 20, FM 92.7. We've still got Thomas from Mechanicsville on the line. He is going to enlighten us as to whether or not there is an emergency at the southern border, I think, or, Thomas, we can talk about Tommy the dog. We can talk about who is a hero. You now have the benefit of Mr. Marconi's great invention. Go ahead. Thomas. Yes, sir. And uh, today, at the uh, during the president's question and answer time, it's, it's apparent that there's a crisis in uh, Washington in the press corps. Um, they don't seem to understand numbers. Uh, two reporters, including the president's favorite, Jim Acosta. Oh, so hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. We're not on the air, Mark. Oh, okay. All right, we got one minute to break, Thomas. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Jim Acosta, who I used to have some respect for, and then he, I think he's been stricken with TDS, Trump derangement syndrome. Go ahead. Well, anyway, so the uh, the uh, crisis is in the press corps in Washington, and they don't seem to understand numbers. Uh, they challenge the president consistently 
on where he gets his numbers. Um, being a pragmatist, the best way, repetition is a good way to make your point. So I think the president could send them about 10,000 copies today for the next We got year. 10 seconds, Thomas. I think you're right. The Democrats like to say Republicans on global warming don't understand science. If you've ever looked at the Democrat budget, folks, they don't understand math. I'm Tom Garrett. In for My Scott. friends, we did it. We weren't just marking time. We made a difference. We made the city stronger. We made the city freer. And we left her in good hands. All in all, not bad. Not bad at all. And so, bye. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America.